Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome, weary traveler. Need a short rest? Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the Lord Mistress and Lord Master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents The Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Nanad paused, tapping the finger quill absentmindedly on the parchment as he gathered his thoughts. He resumed writing in his small book, noting the day's activities. Shadow the master of the East Tower again today. He met with the Zent agents you described to me before I began this mission. I was close enough to listen, but the Zents used a spell or device to mask their conversation. Next time, I will place myself in such a position so that I may attempt to read their lips. The half-elf rogue closed his eyes and stretched his legs. Following an overwizard was the fun part. Reporting his comings and goings was far from fun, but necessary. Nanad froze when he heard the floorboard creak. His short sword lay on his bed, as well as his potion belt. These make no sudden movements, the voice behind him intoned. For I have no wish to kill you, Nanad of the Harpers. Caught! But how? And by whom? Keep your hands in sight place that knife you keep in your left sleeve on the table. Oh, and would you be so kind as to slip off your blade boots too? That's a good sport. Someone knows an awful lot about me, Nanad thought to himself. What now? Nanad asked in a calm, level voice. His still unknown captor said, You are wanted in the host tower. Ocklem Greeth is wondering why you are following Overwizard to mine, and wishes to chat with you. Come along now, will you? Shivering with dread, the harbor agent had no choice but to comply with his escort. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. My name is Sean. And Sean, what are we talking about today? What what was the the point of this uh, very tense and evocative intro? Well, to introduce us to the Arcane Brotherhood, of course. The Arcane Brotherhood. Um, something that hasn't gotten too much, um, I guess, publicity in 5th edition. They are definitely still around, but they are uh, the lore, most of the lore that we are uh, reading from, that we're gathering information from, is from 3rd edition, where they were heavy hitters. And uh, Arklam Greeth, the aforementioned, 
was definitely a part of that. We'll definitely get into uh, the lore behind this this ne'er do well. But the Arcane Brotherhood is a society of evil mages that operates more or less openly out of the city of Luskin. I love I love that I love that they're like the Legion of Doom from the old mm-hmm. Justice League cartoon, you know, like headed by Lex Luthor, or uh, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, yeah, you know, that's, that's run by Magneto. Yes, uh, which I think they ended up changing to just the Brotherhood of Mutants, right? Because yeah, yeah, I, I don't think Magneto thinks of himself as evil, so <laughs> right, like that be a was... weird name choice. <laughs> like I know what everyone's thinking, but um, so yeah, just this, you know, the idea of having a a collective of ne'er-do-wells of of rascals of of evil you know evil doers of villains of villains of villainy a city of villains if you will uh speaking of uh city of villains and city of heroes this is an aside but there was remember that mmorpg Mm -hmm. we used to play it yeah there's they have a they have a server that the uh the maker of the game interplay has essentially blessed has given their blessings to continue on so Oh, if, you, if you if y'all are ever if y'all remember that city of heroes and city of villains mmorpg it's still around and still it's still a lot of fun but we're not talking about heroes we're talking about villains here not just any villains evil mages known as the arcane brotherhood so while the city of sales which is what luskin is known as uh is ruled ostensibly by the five high captains you know all these former pirate lords the Brotherhood is really and truly the true power behind the city, as well as the source of its notoriously aggressive attitude toward pretty much everyone else along the Sword Coast. Like they're kind of beefing with everybody, you know, from Waterdeep to to Baldur's Gate to to all the Ten Towns, essentially. Wow, that's a lot of beef. <laughs> that is a lot of beef. Uh, so while the Brotherhood generally avoids conflicts with greater powers, you know they uh, they're not trying to punch up by any means, like such as such as the aforementioned Waterdeep. Uh, it has no hesitation about harassing smaller cities and weaker merchants who can't defend themselves as easily. It's like typical evil bully behavior. Uh, the Arch Wizards who rule the Brotherhood have their Fingers in any number of unsavory pies, uh, including piracy, slavery, drug trafficking, smuggling. And this is all in addition to legitimate trading ventures. Well, yeah, you got to diversify your portfolio. Exactly. You yeah. Rich. yeah, yeah. If if the drug trafficking all of a sudden, it, like if they legalize, you know, uh, skooma <laughs> in, in Waterdeep, <laughs> Um, you know, you gotta be able to fall back on your, you know, uh, legitimate piracy, yeah, your legitimate <laughs> import exports, yeah, or your laundry business, right? Exactly. Uh, the Brotherhood undertakes these activities not for their own value, but as a means to an end, which is to establish economic and political sovereignty over the North. And in times past, the peoples of Neverwinter, of Long Saddle and other targets of the Brotherhood's ambitions, they could rely on internal disputes and rivalries between the senior mages of the Brotherhood to prevent the organization from bringing its full power to bear on any one target. Which is, I mean, it's, it, that's, yeah, it's, it, I mean, obviously you, as a, as a city that could be a, potentially a target, it would be best to not have an organization of evil mages, you know, mm-hmm. that had to have you in their uh and be in their crosshairs. But if there is such an organization existing, it would, you know, it would be nice that they're so evil that they're offering often infighting and bickering amongst themselves to actually um produce, you know, the full the full brunt of its power. Absolutely. Yeah. So the wizards and sorcerers who lead the society from their lofty perches within the host tower arcane, which is essentially arcane brotherhood HQ. uh, They consider one another rivals as much as they do comrades. And they've often plotted against one another as intensely and brazenly 
as they do their intended victims. That sounds exhausting. Right. I mean, like, it's one thing to always have to be you know, plotting and planning against an uh, external force, an external enemy. But then you've also got to watch your back for, for the knife that might be plunged in between your shoulders. I- yeah. Yeah. You should be able to, uh, like, it's a brotherhood. Come on. <laughs> that's, I feel that's, um, that's the last thing the, like, the shortest tenured over wizard says before he's killed. <laughs> <laughs> Come I on, y'all. This, this is the brotherhood. <laughs> so, this internal strife uh, actually culminated at one point with the assassination of a key mage by a pair of his own fellows. And this was followed by an unsuccessful coup attempt that left the Brotherhood in confused disarray. And so that caused cities throughout the Sword Coast North to breathe a collective sigh of relief uh, when the Brotherhood uh, Brotherhood's attacks as a result of this internal strife uh, sort of uh, slowed. The attacks on shipping and caravans slowed and then pretty much came to, almost to a complete end. Can you imagine though, if you were one of the customers of like their legitimate businesses, like you show up to get your laundry and right. like, it's just closed for like a year. Right. You're like, I need, I, I, I need my I robes. Need these trousers. Yeah. I need, I need, these are my, these are my work robes. <laughs> uh, I gotta so, buy all new work robes now. <laughs> because they're screwing around with drug trafficking and slavery. <laughs> I should have just gone to the launders across town. I was, my partner was right. She, she's always right. She's always right. I'm always wrong. Always wrong. Uh, But hey, you know what? Cut yourself some slack. Lesson learned, you know? Tuition paid, as we say at my job. Why do we fall down? (laughs) (laughs) To quote the greatest movie of all time, starring Christian Bale, in which he plays a man who dresses up as a bat. In which he becomes and, a man. In which who he becomes a, a man. Yeah, that's right. There you go. So, <laughs> when the Archmage uh, Arcane of the Host Tower had not been seen in nearly a year, some people dared hope that the Brotherhood had actually withered away and died, leaving honest folk with one less threat to worry about in this already dangerous part of Faerun. However, these hopes were dashed when the Brotherhood-sponsored forces returned to the sea lanes in trade routes with a vengeance immediately after midwinter in 1372 DR. The Luskin pirates struck swiftly and successfully against independent merchants and uh, off, the sh- off the coast of Neverwinter, and a strong force of slavers believed to be working at the behest of the Brotherhood attacked a caravan bound for Long Saddle, carrying off not only its trade goods, but its entire crew as well. And because of these events, word is spreading throughout the Sword Coast that the Archmage Arcane has returned to the Host Tower and that he has redoubled the Brotherhood's efforts to control the neighboring lands. Some folks in Luskin are whispering that the Archmage's return was accompanied by fell creatures that have been seen both high in the spires of the host tower and in the shadowed streets of Luskin. Whether this gossip is accurate or just the stuff of paranoid speculation, one thing is clear. When the Arcane Brotherhood is at full power, when they are not infighting and in disarray, that means dark times are ahead for the North. Like winter is coming, maybe. Some might say that. Some that would not want, uh, that are just uh, unfearful of copyright strikes <laughs> might say that, certainly. So a quick history of where the Arcane Brotherhood came from. Now, none can say with any certainty exactly when the host tower in Luskin was constructed. Uh, it, this is it's all in the, it's on the island uh, at the mouth of the Marar River. Nor can they say uh, who built it. Uh, they just know that when the Arcane Brotherhood first began inhabiting the tower and making their presence felt in the city of Luskin. 
So for all intents and purposes, this tower has always been there. Pretty cool. I, I mean, it's very cool, actually. <laughs> uh, the first known mention of the place is in this oral tradition sort of epic poem known as the Marar Saga that narrates the arrival of the, force, the first Northlander pirates to settle in the Sword Coast region. Uh, and these tales are collected um, in a, you know, in a tome by a lore master by the name of Mouser Truquill, which, which what I mean, a that's lucky name, right? Like it's like chicken or the egg sort of thing, right? It's like my name is Mouser Truquill. What should I be? Lore master would you know be right up my yeah. alley. I mean, my brother Benny Truquill, he's a chicken farmer, but you know, I think. Honestly, yeah, Lord Master might be for me. So according to this chronicle, a band of these explorers arrived at the mouth of the Marar River just ahead of a fearsome storm seeking shelter along the riverbank. Instead, what they found was what appeared to be a gigantic tree made of t- entirely of stone with its, you know, quote unquote branches uh, rising hundreds of feet into the air above an island in the midst of the river's current. This, let's be honest, eldritch sight mm-hmm. struck fear into the heart uh, hearts of the raiders, but the storm was closing in, and they're like, well, you know, the storm will definitely kill us. Who knows, you know, what, what lies inside. We'll take our, our risks with that. And there's nothing better available, so in they went. With heavy hearts and weapons in hand, they entered the stone tree to escape the murderous winds and freezing sleet. However, the saga, the saga does not tell what fate overcame the half of the raiding party that failed to emerge from the tower, only that the survivors fled that terrible place even as the storm was at its height, preferring to take their chances with the raging elements rather than face whatever lurked within the grim stone spire. Which is awesome. It's like, look, this is bonkers to look at, to imagine. This thing shouldn't exist, but there's this deadly storm out here. We'll risk whatever's in there to survive. Cut to, hell no, we're (laughs) out of here. We will risk the deadly storm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's a, I mean... Gigantic tree made entirely of stone, too. That's such a um, striking image. I mean, Eldritch is exactly the right word for it. I love it. I love it. So in modern times, the tower's reputation is just as evil, though the source of this dread is somewhat more visible and no longer nameless, seeing as how the Arcane Brotherhood now takes up residence within its walls. The stone tree still sits where the explorers found it, rising high above the crowded streets and rocky shoreline of Luskin. Its eerie silhouette casts a a baleful shadow over the city, and citizens in the streets tend to glance frequently at its bizarre shape, as if they expect something unspeakable to emerge from its depths at any moment. The tower is no longer merely the setting of some strange Northlander fable. Like I said, now it is the headquarters of the Arcane Brotherhood, the conclave of evil mages, dedicated to the hateful pursuit of conquest and domination. So imagine that you're a, a, a youth on the Sword Coast. Right. Uh, and you hear about, like, do you think some, would you, I mean, you'd at least want to, Maybe you wouldn't move there, but like you'd at least want to see this, right? Like I think I would, even if I knew it was evil, I'd be like, well, I just want to peek. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's I plan my senior trip around it. I mean, it's it's why folks still go to like Salem, Massachusetts, right? Yeah, yeah, or Roswell. They want to they want to touch the the veil between worlds, right? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I think. I'd be okay with living at a tower, uh, living in a town with a giant tower that looked like it might expel something unspeakable at any moment. I think I'd be like, this is pretty cool. I mean, the property values are, you know, surrounding it are pretty, probably pretty low. So get a good deal. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, 
I'd, next I'd to have a bragging rights plant. forever. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. It's like you know that like giant stone tree that might uh, you know unleash some unspeakable horror upon the land. Uh, yeah. Well, I have that that, that blue house right you know about <laughs> half a block half a block away. That's mine. You can see it in most of the pictures. Uh, so, uh, folks uh, differ on exactly when the Arcane Brotherhood first appeared in Luskin and uh, what precisely its activities have been in the years followed, but general consensus agree that Arklam Greeth, the Archmage Arcane, arrived in Luskin sometime around 1311 DR. And since then, the Archmage has built his evil brotherhood slowly, mage by mage, attracting them to the host tower through promises of great power and wealth. Members of the society have come and gone over the years, and by years, I mean decades, um, close to centuries. But Arklam Greeth has remained the head of the organization since its inception. Greeth's ambition of the la- uh, in the last two decades has remained the same, to control the North. That's singular focus. I don't know to what ends. Like, I don't know. And no one seems to know, like, what they intend to do. Were they to, it's like, you know, like a dog who catches a car, you know, once they get it, who knows what the, what the, right. What's he going to do with it? Yeah. What's he going to do with that car? What's he going to do with the North? Uh, (laughs) But some members of this organization are specifically recruited personally by Grief because he believes that they could help him achieve this goal. Others sought out by the host tower and its evil conclave uh, on their own. In, uh, others seek out the host tower on their own initiative, either to join the effort to dominate the North or to simply reap the benefits of membership in such a society. I feel like those are the ones you got to worry about. Yeah, those are definitely, yeah, the like the the executives at OCP and RoboCop who are just killing each other constantly. <laughs> I used, like I mean I can understand someone who wants to dominate who wants to like wants to be, have power wants to be in control like I get that but someone was like oh like I could just like an opportunist an opportunist is to me more terrifying than someone who's just traditionally evil yeah yeah you're more likely to attract like a, a sociopath that way I think right. or a psychopath so grief and his followers have ruled luskin itself for a good while ever since the high captains first came under their sway fear of their power coupled with the substantial profit from their illicit activities it keeps the high captains in line and loyal the brotherhood views the control of the city as crucial to its long range plans since the conquest of the area requires a secure and well defended base of operations not to mention the means to raise the necessary gold to fund the organization's magical research and other activities. So with the city's leaders firmly within its pocket, the Brotherhood is in a position to know nearly everything of importance that occurs in the city. In a city where you own the police, you are the police. Yeah. To date, the methods that the Brotherhood has employed in its quest to rule the North have yielded uh, mixed results. At best, you know, waging this war of piracy and raiding against any target that the high captains believe they can conquer has proven only marginally effective. While Luskin, and therefore the Brotherhood by proxy, is definitely a force of some power within the mercantile and political life of the Sword Coast, it's still a minor power whose reach has often exceeded its grasp. So attempts within the last five years to conquer, conquer naval powers of larger cities are unsuccessful and costly, while Luskin's short-lived war against Lantern was nothing short of disastrous. The, However, the Luskin army did manage to defeat the Northlanders of Rothheim on their second attempt, attempt and seize control of the island in 1361 DR, but the Lord's alliance from Waterdeep forced Luskin to give up its conquest. So it sounds, it's like, it's always like one step forward, two steps back. It seems right. like their, their, their eyes are bigger than their stomachs, so to speak. Yeah. They don't, they don't seem um, 
you know, I don't want them to send anybody after me, but they don't seem that dangerous, to be honest. I mean, they seem dangerous. They don't they just don't seem that organized or that strategic. Well, you know, some men just want to watch the world burn. That's from a different movie. <laughs> that's that's true. That is right. So the it was immediately on the heels of this Lantern debacle that the Brotherhood began its decline. Internal rival rivalry, as we have said, you know, earlier, has always plagued the society. But it was never as fierce or as bloody as it was in the ensuing years. Two of the ranking mages assassinated the archmage's top assistant and then plotted to overthrow Greeth himself. Greeth, the archmage, didn't help matters either, allowing himself to be preoccupied by something he considered far more pressing than his society's goals, which was his own mortality. Distracted by his search for a means to prolong his life, Arklem Greeth didn't see the coup attempt that happened until it was too late. Didn't see it coming until it was too late. As it was, he barely escaped with his life and was forced to flee Luskin when he remained away from the city, away from his society for the better part of a year. It was in his exile that he made a new friend. Now, this new friend, it was an Arenus by the name of Nifethys. Now, Nifethys offered to grant the frail, wounded archwizard what he had so desperately sought, eternal life, to cheat death. In return, Arklam needed to only allow Nifethys and her associates to help the Brotherhood win the North. This is a great deal. When you're dealing with fiends and devils, there's never no such thing as a good deal for the other party. Nah, so this I don't see how this could possibly go wrong. <laughs> this, hey, well, Greeth would agree with you because he quickly accepted the bargain. And while his would-be successors squabbled among themselves for the spoils of their victory, Arklam underwent the transformation from human to lich. I've been thinking about making that transition. I think you should. I think you would uh I think you would really blossom and prosper as a lich. I think so too. I'm trying to decide what I'd use for my phylactery. Um, oh, I mean, well, some... we can. T- oh, I'll t- I'll decide by the end of the show. By How the end of the that? show, if we'll we'll reveal what uh, what would we use as a phylactery? Were we to uh, delve into lichdom? So, uh, the process being done, he and uh, Greeth and his newfound compatriots return to Luskin. But what they find there isn't surprising. The half-towers, half-vacant, many of its mages and servants having fled the internal civil war or someplace, some locale less dangerous. The organizational structure, close to complete ruin, uh, and the high captains were acting with total disregard for the Brotherhood's interests. Essentially, think of when you're in school and a substitute teacher shows up. You're not getting any work done. You're not doing anything you're supposed to be doing while that sub is there. And the teacher shows up the next day, starts yelling at you, and you try to act like you don't have no idea what she's talking about. Right. Like you weren't acting like a total terror the day before. So acting quickly, the Archmage and Nifethys enter the host tower and destroy the traitors. The streets of Luskin are bathed in this hellish glow that flashes intermittently from the tower, accompanied by the terrifying sounds of mortal beings enduring unimaginably painful fates. The high captains found themselves summoned to the host tower the following morning. And it's said that the story of the captain's frantic departure from the tower about an hour later, heightened by the description of their ashen faces and terrified demeanor, 
This story has proven popular in the retelling throughout the taverns of Luskin and beyond. What's more alarming, though, are the assertions that these strange, awful creatures have been seen around the stone spires of the host tower since Greece's return. Since this time, Arklam and Nephethys have labored ceaselessly to rebuild the Brotherhood, promoting loyal mages to stations of authority, seeking out replacements for the executed traitors, and laying out a plan for the society's conquest of the North. All this occupies most of their time. It seems like, I mean, if you, if you're... If your goals align with that of the Arcane Brotherhood, it seems that you know Nephethys might be might have been that missing puzzle piece. Yeah, sounds like it. I'm telling you, this was a good deal. This was a this was a get. This was in terms of saber metrics, in terms of moneyball. <laughs> Nephethys gets on base. Uh however, around the end of 1376 DR. Luskin is invaded by a group of lords from Waterdeep. Uh, this is all portrayed within the legend of Dritz's novel, The Pirate King. So Dritz is in and around at the time. Uh, the Brotherhood's presence in Luskin is essentially destroyed. Many wizards are killed. And Greeth himself flees the city after causing tremendous damage to invading forces and leaving the tower itself in ruins by detonating his staff in a cataclysmic release of energy. That's pretty cool. It's very cool. In the century that followed, the host tower of the Arcane, once home to the Arcane Brotherhood, stood in ruins, haunted by undead. Lesser creatures roam the area around the structure. Greater threats are entombed below. Few dungeons are more dangerous than this one, and the locals won't go anywhere near it. That was essentially the fate around the 4th edition era of D&D. But once the 5th edition era rolls around, it all changes with the sudden return of the Arcane Brotherhood. So a few years prior, the ruined host tower of the Arcane began regenerating its damaged stone, climbing into the sky once more. I mean, there's, you might argue like, okay, this ungodly, the seemingly impossible structure is scary enough as it is, but then it starts rebuilding itself. So like, okay, like now I know there's something, (laughs) you shouldn't, something is wrong with this thing. You imagine if you live in Luskin and like you start to notice it rebuilding itself, like, you know, you're just like, you know, going to work and the giant tower is rebuilding itself. Like, that's not a good start to your day. Or Or if you're like me and you got the blue house because you wanted to be close to it. It's just like, heck yes. Like you pass by it on your way to work every day and you're like, is that thing taller? It seems taller than it was yesterday. I must be losing it. And then before you know it, it's it's rebuilt. And you're like, I don't, I can't even tell you when or how it happened. It's probably the most logical way to get it done, done without anyone really saying anything about it. Yeah. So shortly thereafter, mages of the Arcane Brotherhood emerge, almost immediately begin cleansing the Luskar ruins of undead, and actually fight off a dragon menacing the city. Oh, they're heroes now. Right. So they're cheered by the citizens, and they swore to keep themselves out of the politics of the high captains in the city at large. But the idea, the notion that these powerful wizards who are closely aligned with one another can truly remain neutral is pretty laughable to anyone who's familiar with such things. Nowadays, the Arcane Brotherhood again walks the streets of Luskin, marked by distinctive colors and patterns on their cloaks. From a distance, these cloaks all bear the same cut and silhouette, but each wizard of the host tower chooses a color or a design and a moniker to match it. 
So leading into the 16th century DR, the Arcane Brotherhood lacked any central leadership since its former Archmage Arcane, the Lich Arklam Greeth, was forced into his phylactery over 100 years ago. And for a brief period, five wizards vied for leadership until Cashin the Red was able to secure the position. So as we stand now within the timeline of the Forgotten Realms, Cashin the Red is the Archmage Wizard. Is the Archmage Arcane. And he is currently flanked by the other four acting as his over-wizards. You have Zelen the White, Gendrick the Blue, Teva the Gray, and Jurette the Raven. We're going to take a quick break, go to the middle of the show, and when we come back, we're going to dive further into Arklam Greeth's story. Figure out, hey, what's going on with that guy? What's his deal? Is he single? No, actually. Hello and welcome to the middle of the show, of course, where we do all the midly show stuff that needs to be done, like thanking the patrons and talking about D&D news or even talking about homebrew shenanigans. Um, first and foremost this week, um, we want to send our deepest condolences to the family and friends of Janelle Jaquez, who passed away this past week. Uh, Janelle was a... To, put it bluntly, was a heavy hitter in early D&D. If you are familiar with TSR era D&D artwork, more than likely you have seen some of her work. In fact, the the practical planetology cover for Spelljammer, when I close my eyes and I think of Spelljammer as an image, that image often comes up. It's that iconic. And not only was she an amazing artist, she also wrote modules for D&D, also for Steven Jackson Games, um, worked on worked with id Software on a couple of the Quake games, just an all-around immense talent. And we want to just, again, send our deepest condolences to uh, her wife, Rebecca Heineman, and her, her kids and, and friends, family, anyone, anyone who anyone who's been affected by this loss. And, and I love what, um, what Rebecca wrote following Janelle's passing on X. She wrote, to paraphrase Dr. Seuss, don't cry because Janelle is gone. Smile because she touched your life. I wish that one day she may touch my life again. So thank you so much, Janelle, for everything that you have given the TTRPG community. And your absence will be greatly felt and you will be missed. Um, moving on to the more traditional middle of the show stuff, I want to thank the listeners. Thank you so much for listening, for supporting the show, for uh, supporting the show just by listening or by following us on all the different social medias. Um, pretty much anywhere you can think of, we are at DND Lorecast, whether it be X or Threads or Blue Sky, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch. We've got the branding part down <laughs> at the very least. Um, so if you want to support the show in other ways, you can join the discord, carry on the conversation there. Links to all of this are in the show notes as well. Obviously, if you want to support the show in a super cool way, you can go over to patreon.com slash D and D Lorecast, where we have all sorts of different tiers where you can get uh, bonus content. You can get early ad free episodes. You can get access to all of the legacy episodes with Stuart and Tom, you can get free merch. You can get invitations to the patron roundtable or to the upcoming uh, actual plays that debut this month, Tales from the Tower. Again, only if you're interested, only if you uh, feel compelled to, by all means, just listening to the show is support enough. It's more support than I could ever, um, ever could have hoped for. But if you are interested, patreon.com slash Lorecast. And as far as D&D news is concerned, uh, they just announced a couple of cool things coming out in August. The first of which is the Book of Concealment, which is a game screen, a DM screen, and a journal in one. For any D&D player, this officially licensed and beautifully illustrated D&D journal features gridded pages and a hardcover case that doubles as a game screen. The It's illustrated by 
artist Hydro74, who used to do all of the friendly local game store alternate versions, alternate covers of the uh, D&D books. And I love I love that style of art. I love I love the um that really clean, almost cartoony, but still very realistic uh, art style. But yeah, that's coming out. It's got that that markets or that MSRP is twenty four dollars for that. Also coming out on the same day, August thirteenth of this year, is the Mimic Treasure Chest Notebook set. This is a set of five four by six blank notebooks that you can put inside of a clamshell box designed to look like a mimic. Again, very freaking cool. Uh, this one will go for about $27.99. Uh, I mean, they, I'm, 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 I'm buying them, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a homer for D&D stuff, especially when the artwork is as cool. And, you know, journals and notes, notepads, like, yeah, absolutely, 100%. I'm down. Uh, as far as homebrew shenanigans, what do we have in the homebrew corner of the week? So, uh, this week, since we are talking about the Arcane Brotherhood, we're talking about Luskin, I found from Arcane Impact the Luskin Visitor's Guide. You need to know about Luskin? Well, I've got this old pamphlet here. Good luck. You'll need it. This has information on points of interest, travel options, businesses for both the North and the South Banks, uh, custom labeled maps so that your players know where they are and where they're going, uh, classic landmarks such as the Throat, the Mirabar Shield, and of course the Host Tower of the Arcane. And it's entirely customizable. If you want to include descriptions for your campaign, you can easily edit any field in an in, in Acrobat Reader or whatever PDF reader that you have. Um, this It has a suggested price of two bucks. It's pay what you want. But yeah, throw a couple of gold pieces the uh, Arcane Impact's way. Why not? I feel it is a very awesome and cool thing that you could like hand out almost as a as a that you can give as a handout to your players if you're playing in an adventure or campaign that has that where Luskin is a setting. So there's a link to that in the show notes to DMs Guild. That being said, let's get back to the show. <laughs> Welcome back. We're talking the Arcane Brotherhood collection of evil mages. That uh pretty much um like ruin living in a small port town <laughs> in the northern sword coast. I mean, like kind of like uh like if the mafia was just like in and around Cleveland. <laughs> like, you know, they're not in Waterdeep, like they're not powerful enough to to do anything in Waterdeep or Baldur's Gate. They have their you know, sights set on a middle to you know upper middle tier city which hey i mean like you got to start somewhere i guess right you do have to start somewhere and i think that's the message we can all take away from the arcane brotherhood from this this group of you know just swell fellas and gals uh so of course almost entirely made of of mages uh non-mages are hired and employed to perform tasks that the mages either can't or don't wish to undertake for themselves. Um, the wizards also employ other minor functionaries, such as messengers, informants, spies, others who are not full-fledged members of the organization and thus not privy to um, more information than is absolutely necessary for them to know to accomplish their assigned tasks. So there's definitely a hierarchy that exists within the Arcane Brotherhood. So, obviously, you have the non-mages who do the bidding of the mages. Then you would have, like, your normal mages that, you know, are full members but don't have any specific title. And then you have the Oberwizards. Now, the Oberwizards will be the topic of this episode's Patron Plus installment. So if you want to know more about that, definitely check out patreon.com slash lorecast. And above the Overwizards, you have the Archmage Arcane. The Archmage Arcane appoints the four Overwizards, who then oversee the group's operations. Uh, they essentially are the day-to-day of the Brotherhood. So little information exists about the current Archmage Arcane, Kashan the Red. Uh, so we'll discuss more so Arklam, uh, in the for the rest of this episode. 
He is the founder of the Arcane Brotherhood. And there's a ton of juicy lore when it comes to this this rascal of a this rascal of a guy. So the Archmage Arcane is more than merely the first among equals. He is the supreme ruler of the Arcane Brotherhood. In a very real sense, the organization belongs to him. It is his to do what he pleases, and none have the authority to challenge him or his word. The Archmage Arcane seldom leaves his private chambers within the host tower, and when he wishes to speak with any other members of the organization, he typically summons them to his audience hall. Otherwise, uh, they'll remain in solitude, except for, in the case of Arklam Greeth, uh, frequent visits from his fiendish friend, Nifethys, and this is for the purpose of planning the means by which they intend to bring the land under their control. So, Arklam Greeth. Great I name. It's a great name, and I love how he's described. He was, until quite recently... A hateful, embittered old man. Um, and I Same. feel like I feel like that could also be used to just um, begin your plot synopsis of the movie up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, so in fact, Arklam Greeth is uh is a very old man, having prolonged his existence far beyond its natural limits through the aid of wish spells and other powerful magic. Gas station pills and the like. Exactly. Powerful magic. Like I said powerful magic. You don't, I mean, you don't have to be. You redundant. don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to get super specific. <laughs> so we got a lot of material to cover here. His frail form uh, is bent nearly double. He's nearly doubled over with age. Uh, his every waking minute racked with infirmity and ill health. The sheer weight of years began to erode the efficacy of the magic sustaining his withered shell. I mean, this is someone using magic to stay stay alive much longer than even magic could probably in, you know, endure. Right. The vast majority magic has its limits. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Magic has its limits. The vast majority of his unnaturally long lifespan has been spent seeking the secrets of Faerun's most powerful magic, traveling the length and the breadth of the world to plumb the depths of arcane knowledge in far-flung lands such as Mulharan, uh, Thay, or even Karatur. It was only in recent decades that he experienced the desire to control a major portion of Faerun, and to establish himself as a power in his own right, believing that an individual possessing such vast knowledge and power must obviously necessarily be destined to rule. It's like, I'm smart, I'm powerful, I should be, like, obviously, I should be on top. Flawless logic. But death stalked him relentlessly as his life-sustaining magic began to fail, and Arklam realized many more years would be required to accomplish his goals so what's what's an what's an evil or what's an evil mage to do if you well, only decide you want to conquer a land when you're like <laughs> towards the end of your life yeah <laughs> uh well his thoughts turned inward like hey maybe i'm the problem <laughs> uh, and he began to con- he began to contemplate the options available to him He became so distracted that he neglected the health of the organization he had built. And this is when that aforementioned attempted coup took place. Two of his more talented minions, uh, Eldaluk and Vaklabar, assassinated the Wizard of Green Fire, who had been the Archmage's top lieutenant. That was uh, their their second-in-command that I had mentioned earlier. Mm. The two killers then set their sights on the Archmage himself catching him unaware in his bedchamber in 1371 DR. However, thanks to the magical protections that he always kept in place, again, like we had mentioned, this is a place where you have to worry about 
your coworker essentially stabbing you in the back. So and the building itself is evil. So I imagine you've got to be on guard against it too. So yeah, so he has these magical protections, wards in place. I guess you would always have to, right? If you wanted to make sure to ensure that you stayed alive. So thanks to these, uh, he was able to flee the host tower with his life, but he was severely injured. Uh, making use of a pre-planned escape route, he traveled to Mirabar. Again, pre-planned escape route. Like he had this plan just in case. <laughs> Such a stressful way to live. What a brotherhood. What a brotherhood. Uh, there he went to um, uh, essentially a safe house that he had prepared years ago against just such an emergency and contemplated his fate while he recovered slowly from his wounds. It was in this state that Nephethys first visited him. The devil played to her strengths, taking advantage of the wizard's frail body, uh, broken spirit, to overwhelm him with her charms. And by the time she offered to share the secret of lichdom, Arklam was only too ready to become a willing partner. The devil helped her victim gather the necessary knowledge and ingredients for his transformation into a lich, and then accompanied him back to the host tower so that she and a few summoned by Tezu could aid in the defeat of his enemies. With the help of these devils, the Archmage Arcane destroyed both traitors, Eldaluk and Valkabar, and the rebel wizard's loyal agents also perished that night as Arklam purged the Brotherhood of all he did not consider loyal to him. When the blood finally ceased to flow, Arklam was satisfied that those he had allowed to survive his fury would be obedient to his commands. Not a not a wild thing to to assume, right? That if I have a hundred people and I kill seventy of them and keep mm -hmm. thirty alive, that those thirty are probably going to kowtow to what I want, right? I mean, yeah, I, I think that's a not an. Um... Also, I have a handful of devils fighting at my back. Right. Yeah, I think the devils are pretty good insurance. Because I was about to say, though, like, I mean, this isn't much of a brotherhood, right? I mean, he literally planned his life around who's going to try and kill me and win. Uh, but now he's like, you know what? You 30, you're the cool ones. Y'all are cool. Y'all are great. And I'm going to let you live because you're going to do what I say, right? Uh, yeah, I guess brotherhood is... Um bit of a misnomer that's what it's all about <laughs> it's a bit of a misnomer um but you know maybe maybe uh arklam didn't have a thesaurus at the time he's like what are hey. you gonna call what are you gonna call this uh collection of arcane magic users like well i Ar arcane sounds cool arcane uh oh um league, league? <laughs> like that i don't like that Brotherhood, yeah, brotherhood, yeah, brotherhood. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, then he kills, you know, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> like that way, the people won't know. Like I had didn't have a name to begin with. Um, so three of the <laughs> right, he killed everybody who was listening to him while he was right. figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> he killed everyone listening to him workshop the name. <laughs> he gotta gotta present a firm and strong appearance. Right, you can't have people telling that story all over town. Right. It's like, yeah, like he didn't even know what to call it. To be honest, <laughs> uh, that's that's embarrassing. So three of the previous over wizards had escaped: Jaluth, Snakeface, Elerth, uh, who is a hot-tempered woman whose face is cursed to spit forth snakes when she is angry. I mean, again, good name. I mean, uh, yeah. What do you call her? Uh, it's snake face. Uh, although, again, that's pretty good insurance. I mean, like the Hulk's like, oh, you don't make me mad. You wouldn't like me when I'm mad. Like right. literally, Jaluth's like, no, seriously, I get mad. Why do you think they call me snake face? <laughs> uh, she fled to the wildlands around Icewind Dale with three golems. Uh, Ornar of the Claw, 
a soft-spoken mage named uh, for some of his unique spells, fled eastward into a stronghold in the Evermores. And Deltagar Zelhund, consorts with Yanti, has gone into hiding in Londeth. So, but there's always four over wizards, right? There's the um, Archmage Arcane, and then there's the four over wizards. So those three escaped. So what happened to the fourth? The fourth, Eltuth Wyvern Master Oyim, was turned to stone, shattered and restored to flesh, and then fed to some of his own charmed pets. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, bummer for him. No, like for every, sure. Every time he's like, well, at least it can't get any worse. <laughs> and then he's back and he's like, oh my God, I've been forgiven. This is going to be great. Oh, and I'm reunited with my own, with my beloved pets. Well, yeah, that's... Um, and, yeah, and then, yeah. And then, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Uh, I mean, he was the over-wizard of the Arcane Brotherhood, a collection of evil mages, so... Mm-hmm. I'm sure you don't get to that position by being a swell guy. Yeah, no. So the Archmage Arcane then directed a period of rebuilding during which he promoted members in the now vacant over-wizard positions and contemplated the state of the North. Honoring his agreement with Nephethys, he ordered that the Silver Marches are now the Revitalized Brotherhood's primary target. Since then, the Lich and his devilish companion have bent their collective minds and will toward devising the best means of bringing the fledgling confederation under their control. Arklim doesn't even truly care why the Silver Marches are of such an interest to the arenas. Just, oh, that's what you want? Sure, okay. I guess we have a deal, so that's what I'm going to do. Doesn't I mean, care. when you're in love, you know, you just kind of... I assume they're together? No, no. Uh, they're together as oh. any, as any uh, devil and, um, and willing participant can be, which is to say that... Um, the power the power dynamic is is all out of whack in that in that relationship. I mean, I'm not saying it's it's a healthy relationship. I'm not saying it's one that we should all aspire to. But <laughs> you look, but I, ba- baby, you want to conquer the silver marches? I want to conquer the silver marches. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so the young realm is well within the area he desires to control, and he surmises that its youth may make it more vulnerable than some of the established kingdoms and cities in the vicinity. Freed from the specter of a slow, painful death by old age, Arklam enjoys a new sense of purpose that enables him to concentrate completely on claiming the realm that he covets so dearly. Indeed, to his fellow members in the Brotherhood, it appears that the process of becoming a lich may have also affected their leader's mind in some fashion for he now seems, in their eyes at least, to be even more single-minded than before, perhaps even to a detriment, perhaps dangerously so. His determination to rule over the peoples of the North, even if it takes him several more lifetimes, seems to be the only thought that burns into his now undead brain. In fact, Arklam's transformation into a lich came too late to repair the damage already inflicted on his body by the ravages of time. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Right? Like it's, you know, it's not Penny's boat (laughs) sort of thing. (laughs) Uh, His frame, for example, still bent, giving him the appearance at least of frailty. But this appearance obviously belies the unnatural strength of his now undead body. And having come into Lichdom only recently, Arklam's skin has only just started to wither in earnest. His eyes, however, have already decayed and sunk into his head, leaving empty sockets that burn with pinpoints of ghastly crimson light. And like I said, this was all the stuff with Arklam. That's third edition era. Toward the end of the third edition, toward, you know, roughly around the time of the Sundering, uh, the Arcane Brotherhood, the Host Tower, 
is more or less destroyed. Arklam goes into hiding, goes into his phylactery to hide. Uh, and the Arcane Brotherhood in the host tower uh, sits vacant for the majority of the fourth edition era. And it isn't until uh, the fifth edition era, which is almost 16th century, late 15th century DR, that the Arcane Brotherhood sees a resurgence under the leadership of Kashan the Red. Now, Kashan's like, this time we're going to be a brotherhood for real, guys. For real. I love you guys. <laughs> uh, he's been watching a lot of like the um, the hang the Hangover movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you guys are my wolf pack. You guys are my wolf pack. <laughs> and so <laughs> how Arklum, you know, you know, fixes into the, uh, how he fits into the plans uh, moving forward into the Arcane Brotherhood. It's interesting to, interesting to know. You know, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of meta plot stuff going on, uh, moving into the 50th anniversary of D&D, moving into the the 2024 uh, rule books that will be released. You know, we have the 20th level, the 20 level advent, uh, adventure campaign uh, that centers around Vecna. I think a lot of old faces will start to appear, um, especially faces from outside Forgotten Realms. You know, faces from Greyhawk, faces from uh, other worlds and campaign settings that uh, I've either only been touched upon in 5th edition or haven't been seen at all. So very, very exciting times we're living in. And I don't just mean that because the post tower is rebuilding itself so we are at the end of the show we promised you dear listener what uh we will tell you what our phylactery would be were we to choose lichdom over over a normal life so sean what what would you pick if you were to become a lich what object would you uh would you use to keep a portion of your soul so that you may always remain alive even if your physical body physical vessel was destroyed uh i think i would choose my fidget cube i've had it for many years uh and i never have it far from me so it seems like a natural um you know be either that or my car keys but the problem is i get a new car every several years so like you know what's the point of carrying around a car key to a toyota i haven't owned since 2009 or whatever you know so I think fidget cube seems pretty safe because I've had it for a long time um, and it's small and innocuous. So it wouldn't, you know, if you've got it on a, you know, it's like a last crusade situation. If you've got right. a bunch of objects on a table and somebody's like, you can choose one and maybe destroy Sean. Nobody's going to go for the fidget cube unless they listen to this episode, in which case I'm going to have to change my answer. <laughs> so um, if you're listening, don't try to destroy Sean. If he became a lich, I mean, he's a good guy. I'm sure if he became a lich, he had a great reason. And it wasn't to, you know, rule the North. No, it's just so I'd have more time to read. Yeah, this is finally enough time. <laughs> uh, I, um, I would use my wedding band, mm. but there would be a like a heartbreaking story behind that. Like I like chose lichdom in order to um, like save my spouse for some reason, um, but that choice is what uh, spurned her against me. And so sure. she's forever lost to me. Um, and so I keep this this wedding band as my phylactery, as this sort of um, heartbreaking reminder of, you know, what I gave up to become what I am. That's really sad. It is sad. And that's uh, that's kind of my uh, brand when it comes to, uh, to world building. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, very Shakespearean and tragic. Fidget cube of doom for me. Yeah, yours is just a little thing that you can't stop touching. It's like I need to, I need to be doing something with my hands. But yeah, it really yeah. ADHD. Woo. What a thing. What a what a time to be alive. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening, dear listener. Uh we appreciate uh your love and support and you're uh more than welcome to join us again uh next week. Next week is going to be a uh, a fun episode. We're going to talk some Eberron. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Eberron is a campaign setting I haven't really delved into since third edition. Uh, obviously, it's it's made its it's uh, it's carried over into fourth and now fifth edition as well. 
Um, but I haven't really, uh, I haven't really dug into it as much as I did when it initially came out. When it first came out, it was, man, that was, that was my jam. Talking like a pulpy, steampunky type D&D. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. So if you are also into that, join us next week. And uh, until then, my name is Sergio. My name is Sean. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at D&D Lorecast. Or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll see you soon. Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people.